Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast and being a part of our church family here at New Hope. Our senior pastor, Dr. Benji Kelly, is currently leading us through the entire Bible in a series called The Story. Now here's Dr. Kelly with this week's podcast. What's up, New Hope? You guys doing good? Doing good today? We are so thrilled that you are here. Welcome to everybody here at the Durham campus. Welcome to those of you at the other campuses. Man, I tell you what, I hope you are as engaged in the message as you were that video right there. You guys were dialed in to that sketch of creation. Just want to welcome all the campuses. Come on here at Durham. Can we just welcome everybody at all the other campuses? Big Big, big day in the movement today. Let me just tell you about a few things. Number one, Sanford, man, they are celebrating down there with some incredible news about the way in which God is blessing their future. Sanford, I love you guys. I'm praying for you, and I'm with you in spirit, and I thoroughly enjoyed being with your leaders this week. Um, Garner Campus, Pastor Derek Mole is celebrating five years of ministry as a campus pastor at New Hope Church. Yeah, they want to celebrate that. Derek here at, uh, at Central. And check this out. The Hillsboro and the North Raleigh campus are having their very first baptism celebrations on site, on location. So we celebrate that as well. We are, uh, we are just thrilled you are here. Everybody got your storybook? You got it? Hold it up high. Hold it up high. If you don't have it, oh my word, I wish you could see this here. That is incredible. Hold, no, no, no. Hold them up high. Hold them up high. And uh, repeat after me. The Bible tells of the creation story of God. Come on, all the campuses and the balcony. Here we go. The Bible also tells me I am a part of God's story. I am not here by an accident. I am here as a part of God's creation, divinely dressed with a purpose. Oh, you're doing so good. I am here to learn God's word. I believe what it says about God. I believe what it says about me. And I believe what it says about us. New Hope Church. Speak to me, Lord. Speak to me, Lord. Come on. Speak to me, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, we're excited. It's going to be a good day. I, I, I just have never been more proud of the way in which the movement is engaging this series. And if you're here and you're like, what in the world are they doing? We're doing a series called The Story, if you're a guest. And uh, we have... These books in the Resource Center at all of our campuses. Go grab those. We also have these three ring binders that you folks have bought like nothing I've ever seen before. And we therefore are out of them. Um, But we have a big shipment coming in this week. So if you placed your order last week or you still want to get that, you can't get it today. So save your teaching notes and then just insert it in next week. Everybody take out your binder. Let me hear it. Let me hear it. Let me hear it. Oh, listen. Ooh. All right. Go to the back. There are my teaching notes from last week. Put them in. Grab that pen. 
And just imagine at the end of November 2016, you're going to have a binder of the Word of God and all the notes you will have taken between now and then. Can I get an amen? It reminds me, by the way, I was talking to my, my, my uh, 12-year-old boy the other day, and uh, I didn't even plan on saying this until I just said it. It just reminded me. And we're riding down the road, and he wanted to go do something. I was like, Caleb, I, I got to go I gotta go work on my message, man. He goes, Daddy, you, you don't have to work on your message. All you got to do is get up there and just say, give me an amen. <laughs> and I said, really, Caleb? He goes, yeah, then just walk off the stage. So give me an Amen. I'm like, Caleb, you are a trip, man. Anyway, um, and some of you have been asking about the hashtag. Those of you on social media, light up social media for the gospel. Can I get an amen? amen? The story lives is our hashtag. The story lives is our hashtag for this series. What is it, church? The story lives. Now, what you need to understand is in this Reading of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, what we will discover, and it will be a repetitive theme throughout the entire series, is that there is an earthly dilemma. There's a what, church? That God needs to provide a heavenly solution. A what? Say it with me. Earthly dilemma. Heavenly solution. And we see this theme throughout the Bible running throughout, and that is exactly what God does in the very first creation story. Turn in your Bibles to page one. I've always wanted to say that. <laughs> That's awesome. Turn in your Bibles to page one. We normally don't get to say that because our Bibles have other things in the front of them. But in the storybook is page one. And look at the very first line of page one. And let's read it out loud together. Go. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God. Church, we're four words into the Bible, and it's all about God. The spotlight is right on God. In the beginning. So the main character... Of the entire Bible, though you might have been convinced that you are the character of your story. But it is God. And God has created everything. You'll see this in your teaching notes. Maybe if not, write it down. You will see it on the screens. All creation and life flows out of Almighty God. Amen. All creation and life flows. Flows out of almighty God. 1968. And just this this story is going to remind you of how far our country has slipped southward, if you will. In 1968, three astronauts came around the moon. And they saw planet Earth. It was the expedition of Apollo 8. And in 1968, you would never have this happen today, unfortunately. But in 1968, when they came around the moon and they spotted planet Earth, the astronauts could not contain themselves. And so they took turns reading the creation story. And it was broadcast all over the nation. I know many of you 
weren't even around. I wasn't around. But it's a powerful point in our history. Our ushers are going to come forward and receive today's tithes and offerings. We haven't done that yet. Fill out that connect card. Let us know you're here. Let us know how we can pray for you. But as you're doing that, check out this video. Have you ever just thought about what the Bible says about creation? The Bible says God spoke things into existence. The Bible says in the beginning God created it all with the power of his voice. The power of of God's word. You'll see this. He speaks the world into existence. Have you ever thought about that? In terms of the power of God's word. In terms of what we are doing between now and November. I mean, come on church. Let's just be real for a moment. If you believe that. Like, if you believe that God could simply speak. And bam, there's a giraffe. And speaks and bam, there's a mountain. 
If you believe that, in my opinion, I don't think you should balk at anything else in the Bible. I mean, like, if you can believe God speaks, and I do, that he just spoke it into existence, then it's no problem for me to imagine that God created a big old fish that swallowed a dude by the name of Jonah. It's no problem for me to imagine that Daniel was thrown into a lion's den and unscathed. It's no problem for me to imagine that God could raise Jesus from the dead. If he can just speak and life was created. And and the Bible says, and you read it this week, that he created it out of nothing. Like the Latin phrase is ex nihilo. Ex nihilo. That, That God created it all out of nothing it's the latin phrase that literally means out of nothing did did you notice that when you read the bible this week also in the same area that the bible when, when it says let us create mankind in our image did you notice the plurality let who create mankind in our what our The plurality of, even in the very beginning, you start to see the triune nature of our God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Triune in community. That's why we're so big about community here. Have you ever thought about this? We're in community. We can't live on our own. No man is an island unto himself. I need you. You need me. The reason we are like that is because that is how God created us. And that is how God is. In community now i can't really talk about creation without unpacking a little bit the tension that is in the room between creation and evolution and i would just say this to you i believe there are brilliant people on both sides creation and evolution a little girl asked her mommy mommy how did we come about the mom said to the little girl well God created the first two human beings, Adam and Eve. And from there, we have our genealogy, and that is how we came about. A week or so later, the little girl went to the daddy. Said, Daddy, how did we come about? Daddy said, well, it happened like this. A long, long time ago, there were apes and monkeys all over the planet. And that's how we came about. A few days later, the little girl was confused. She went back to mommy. She said, mommy, I'm confused. You said we came from Adam and Eve and daddy said we came from monkeys. The mama said, well, that's easy to explain. I described to you my side of the family. (laughs) That old slug described to you his side of the family. Here's my stand, church. One of the reasons I firmly believe in creation is because in Genesis chapter 1, the Bible tells us quite clearly that God is the one who created life and he created it out of nothing. Now, some of you are like, well, I know that. That's what the Bible says, but my problem is with the Bible. Okay, let me me dig a little deeper with you then. One of the reasons why I struggle with evolution is because evolution has a hard time unpacking and explaining, if you will, the fact that creation happened out of nothing. It's just interesting to me that 
that God laid out how it happened in his story. And the Bible says that God is unchanging. There is an elaborate explanation in the scriptures for how we are created. That God has always existed infinity past. And he spoke it into existence. And we came out of God's goodness. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, come on, today, and tomorrow, forevermore. Evolution basically teaches, and you can choose if you want. Like I said, it's brilliant people on both sides. Evolution basically teaches that you are here by accident. You evolved over millions and millions and millions of years. You evolved. But the problem with the evolution theory is that every 10 to 20 years or so, it changes. It's a moving target. Because they keep struggling with how do we explain this creation, God's story, God's creation never changes. Evolution teaches that you're here by accident. Creation teaches, come on, that you're here for a purpose. You're here, I, I don't know, you, you believe what you want to believe. But I choose to believe that I'm here. I'm here for a purpose. You're not here by accident. You're here for a purpose. If you read it this week, and you can open it up and kind of read along as I'm teaching here, but I know most of you have. If you read it, in, 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 in the creation story, God creates things and he keeps saying it is good. Everybody say good. Everybody say good. It's good. Every time God creates and it's good. But what's fascinating is in the Bible, when God creates the pinnacle of his creation, when he creates mankind, he says, it is very good. It's what? Look at your neighbor and say, very good. It's, 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 you're very good. You're, you're, not, you're not here by accident. Come on, don't you believe that lie even for a moment? You are here on purpose. There is a divine creator who has created you. And it is not just good, but you are very good. You need to get up in the morning and look in the mirror. Say, I'm very good. Get a little, get a little confident with yourself. I'm very good. Get away from me, Satan. I'm not, I'm not an accident. I have a purpose. Now, I don't know what you think about. I don't know what you think about when you think about the first, the first human creation. What, what, do you, what do you think they look like? I don't know. Adam. Maybe, maybe Adam looked like this dude right here. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? His name is Adam. Does he not think he's hot stuff? Adam Levine. I don't know. I bet he wasn't tatted up like that. Hey, hey, maybe, maybe, maybe the first Adam looked like my favorite actor on the planet. Maybe he looked like the big D. Come on. Come on. 
Denzel Washington. See, Adam just thinks he's something. Denzel know he got it going on. I don't know. Maybe he wasn't as tall as those guys. Maybe he was a pit bull kind of guy. I don't know. I don't know. Check it out. I don't know, man. I don't know what I don't know what the first Adam looked like. You you ladies, you might imagine that you know he looked like one of these cats. Guys, guys, what do you imagine that the first Eve looked like? Well. You know she was a fine specimen too. Maybe Eve looked like this right here. I don't know. What do you think? That's why, that's why after God created her, Adam went, whoa, man. Huh? Huh? Maybe, I don't know. Maybe, maybe she looked like this. I like this woman on the Today Show. I watched the Today Show most mornings. Check it out. Tamron. You know Tamron Hall? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. We'll stop playing around in just a moment. But maybe, maybe she looks like the female on the planet that my wife and I have a wonderful hilarious, engaging conversation about regular. And our kids just think it's the funniest thing in the world. But I, I think she's kind of friendly on the eyes. I don't know. Maybe Eve looked like this woman right here. Maybe. I'm just saying. I, I'm just saying. They're having a hard time. <laughs> Carrie Underwood. Car- Carrie-, Carrie Underwood. We have, this, we have this conversation in our family. I kid you not. My wife is a good sport. We, we, we joke. We're just joking. But she knows, like, I'm a big Carrie Underwood fan. Like, big time. I like the way she sings. I like her concerts. Not long ago, Amy Lynn bought us tickets to the Carrie Underwood concert. Is that not a good wife? When she knows you like this woman who's a singer and there's nothing to it, she buys you tickets. So my wife and I go on a date. And we go out for dinner, and then we end up in Greensboro. This was this year. This is very recently. And we went to a Carrie Underwood concert, one of the best concerts I've ever been to. I mean, I'm a big Carrie Underwood. I'm a, I'm a country fan. Who else likes country music in the house? Who, who doesn't like country music in the house? You people need Jesus in a bad way. I'll give an invitation at the end at all the campuses. You folks need to get born again. Um, so, so Amy Lynn and I are at the Carrie Underwood concert, and, we're, and man, she gets me unbelievable tickets. We're like right there, man, and there she is. And I'm enjoying Carrie, and I'm enjoying my wife more. Guys, you see how I slipped that in there? <laughs> right? And so, and, and, and I got a few followers on Twitter, right? So if throughout the night, I kind of I threw a few tweets out there, and I, 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 I tagged Carrie. Two weeks later... I get a package at my house. If I'm lying, I'm dying. It wasn't a small package. It was a big package. It was addressed to us. It was from Carrie Underwood. I guess she saw my tweet. I opened it up. Guys, this wasn't just like a letter. There was like some expensive stuff in there. There were like computer chargers, these unique computer chargers, and this really cool technology device where you put your phone on it and it keeps it charged. And and, 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 and then and then and then then there were I'm talking 1980s style. There were posters of Carrie Underwood. 
fold out posters in front of my kids. I said, what do you think, honey? Can I put this in my closet? She said, you done gone too far now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my Lord, it's good to laugh. But you are very good. It doesn't matter what you look like, where your warts are. God thinks you are very good. Come on, church. Warts and all. God thinks you are very good. Open up your storybook to page four. And on page four, we start to experience the fall, if you will. Life is good. The garden is paradise. Hey, Theology 101, write this down, by the way. You have to understand, in the beginning, it was all very good. That's why the Bible says it was good, it was good, it was good. Then God created you, me, our genealogy, and he said it was very good. Theology 101 demands that if God is good, creation was good. But then the story goes south. Genesis 2, 17, on page 4, you'll see it at the top. Uh, A little bit there at the top of the page there. The Bible says this. You are free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will. You'll what church? God says, I've given you the whole garden. Enjoy. I'm a good God. I've created a good creation. Eat from any tree you want. But there's one tree over there. It's the forbidden tree. And don't you know that that is exactly what they did. Enters the protagonist. Enters Satan himself. The Bible says in John 10, 10, most of you know this is my favorite verse. I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. What some of you don't know is the first part of that verse. And the first part of that verse says this. The thief, the who? The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. Creation was good. But Satan tempted Adam and Eve. Thus we get to the fall. From this point forward in the story, it's a pretty dismal story. Watch the national news any night of the week, and it's a pretty dismal story. Now, don't get swayed too far by that. There's good still on the planet. There's good people. They just don't report the good. Because good doesn't sell. They want drama. But there is no denying that the story goes downhill in a hurry. And it's been that way Ever since. Look in your storybook. Look at Genesis 3 if you've got it marked. If not, you can see it in your teaching notes. Let's read this out loud. Genesis 3, verse 1. Ready? Go. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? I can tell you something right here categorically. I can declare that it is true. There is no one in the church that hates snakes more than I do. Come on. 
Anybody else hate snakes? Let me tell you something. You, you need to write this down in your notes too. There's only one good snake. That is a freaking dead snake. And some of you are like, no, 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 no. There's black snakes. And black snakes eat all the rats and the bugs and they're, they're, they need to die. Dude, I, I, and some of you are like, I know, man, you're like, you're, you're, you're animal rights people, and I love you. I'm glad you're here. You're like a fan of PETA. You know what PETA stands for? People enjoying tasty animals. I'm just saying. <laughs> P-E-T-A, baby. And I'm a hunter, too. My kids will tell you, I'll go to my gun case. If I see a little snake that big, and I will blow him or her to smithereens, throw my gun over my shoulder, and celebrate the goodness of God. See, I think that comes from the Bible, man. I think subconsciously, I don't know where it just dwells up, and we've been taught this, but I think we've been taught it again. It just comes from generations of generations of generations. Snakes are evil. I, I, I'm a fisherman. I love to fish. I've had snakes swim toward the boat, and I lost my flipping mind. <laughs> like, I, I, I'm the kind of guy that if a snake, I don't want a snake to ever get in my boat, because I'm going to do one or two things. I'm just telling you, dude. I'm going to jump out of the boat, or I'm going to shoot a hole in my boat. <laughs> I hate snakes. And we should, because they're evil. The Genesis 1 story traces it all back to a serpent. So you keep loving PETA. I'll keep shooting snakes. All joking aside. I want to tell you about the tactics of Satan. The what? The tactics of Satan. It's all biblical. It's all biblical. It all started right here in... The creation story. He is, let me tell you something before I get to some points that I'm going to teach you. Satan only has one desire. That's to kill you, steal from you, and destroy you. And if you are not aware of it, and if you think, oh, that's just make-believe bunch of stuff. I'm not talking about a little red dude with, with horns and a pitchfork. I'm talking about a serious protagonist. That, that wonders planet earth looking to destroy you, kill you, and destroy you. And if you don't know it, if you're not aware of it, if you're not aware of his tactics, FYI, you are right where he wants you to be. I hope in the next just five minutes just to, to teach so you can know how he works. He, he's predictable. He's always been this way. Right in your teaching notes. Oh, my Lord, you want to get this. Tactics of Satan. Satan questions God's word. Always questions God's word. That's why this series is so powerful. The most powerful thing you can do in 2016 is learn God's word. And as you learn God's word, he's going to question God's word. And some of you have been in spiritual warfare and battle right now because you've had all these temptations and you've had all these desires and you haven't bought the book and you haven't leaned in and you haven't done all the things that we did last week, deal or no deal. And you're just kind of fighting. You're not fighting against yourself. You're fighting against Satan. He questions God's word. By the way, side note, not in your teaching notes. Go read Matthew 4. Matthew chapter 4. Jesus encounters Satan. Satan tempts Jesus in Matthew 4. I'm in the New Testament now. 
And how do you think he tests Jesus? By quoting and misquoting scripture. Matthew 4. Go read it later. Secondly, Satan denies God's word. Satan denies God's word. He says, you will not surely die. God had said, if you do it, you will die. Now I'm going to get to the end of this message and you're going to see that, oh my Lord, the grace of God came through. But Satan denies God's word. What's the first one? Satan does what? You folks are amazing. Secondly, Satan does what? Thirdly, Satan reverses God's word. Satan reverses God's word. He says, you will not surely die. Instead, your eyes will be opened and you'll really live that's what satan does to you come on and do this and do that and try this and try that and you'll really live it's a lie straight from the pits of hell church genesis 3 6 come on you're still with me today let's go ready go she also gave some uh, they went to the other one yeah no uh, actually i've read the last part my bad completely genesis 3 6 ready go when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was and also desirable for <laughs> she took some and ate it. Look at the next part of that verse. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he did what? He ate some leftovers, man. Now, understand this. Understand this. Please, please, please. Eve should not have eaten it. But guys, don't, don't get too, let's not get too bowed up. She shouldn't have done it. But Adam should have protected her. And Adam should have helped her resist it. And when she came to him and said, hey, I left a little bit for you, baby. <laughs> Which in my house never happens. I got five kids, man. It's gone. Genesis 3, 7. Come on. Next verse. You can throw that up there. Genesis 3, 7. Let's read it out loud. Go. Then the eyes of both of them were, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And the story goes sour. God created it all, and it was good. And then he created you and me, and it was what, church? Very good. That's the upper story. Satan arrives on the scene, and the lower story starts to unfold. Sin enters the story, and death comes about. And it has been one dismal story after another all the way into the 21st century. Adam and Eve have Cain and Abel. Cain does what? Murders Abel. It's unthinkable. It just goes on and on and on. And then, and then the story gets so bad. My life group read this on Sunday night. And for the first time, I don't know what it was about the next few verses that I'm about to share with you. But they really just kind of they stung me deeply. Because there's a part of the Bible where it starts to talk about how this made God feel. See, we always think about our feelings. 
you ever thought about how God feels? And, and, and this next part, I actually want us to read it together. Throw that next one up there, if you will. Genesis 6, I think it's around verses 5 and 6. There it is. Let's go, church. Ready? Go. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth. And that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil when? All the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth. Listen to this. And his heart. His heart was what? Gathered with our life group on Sunday night, man. And we read that. And my heart, my heart was just troubled. Because God's heart was troubled. Are there any more powerful words in Scripture? Powerful in the wrong way, right? That God regretted making us. That's hard. So he finds one righteous man who, by the way, though he was righteous, he stumbled big time too. Talking about Noah. And he wiped the planet out. Noah built an ark. You might wonder how big. I'll tell you if you do the research. It's about a football field and a half. It was about the size of the ark. That's a big old boat. I just had this thought. I wonder if Noah took a snake up in there. <laughs> Two! <laughs> That's when Noah was drunk when he did that right there. And you're like, are you making stuff up? No, go read your Bibles. Noah got drunk, man. But he was the most righteous one God could find. And build an ark. Because God regretted making us. But the beautiful thing about the story is that there were glimmers of hope along the way. I'm not going to try to make it all shiny for you today. It, it, was, it was dismal. It's dismal today. But God's Word promises redemption and there is still hope. Write that down. God's word promises what, church? Redemption and there is still hope. I heard years ago about a very talented landscape artist. Stick with me here for a moment as I try to paint his picture for you. A number of people were looking over the shoulder of this landscape artist. And he's, he's painting this, this scene, this very bleak winter scene if you will a scene of mountains and and in the foreground there was snow that was swirling all around and the rocks and there were pine trees and they were blowing all over the place in the wind and dusk was settling in and dark clouds hovered over this scene and yet in the background of this frigid cold painting there was a cabin that was nestled in the mountains way back in the background 
The mood of the painting was quite dismal, kind of like what I'm describing to you in creation. But all of a sudden, the landscape artist took his brush and he dipped it in yellow and then he dipped it in just a little bit of orange and with one simple stroke of his paintbrush in the window of that cabin. He added the glow of yellow and orange and all of a sudden the painting changed and there was a sense of hope. There was a sense of warmth. There, there was a sense of invitation. Can I tell you something, church? The first section of the Bible that you read this week paints a very dismal picture of despair. But what I want to do in wrapping up today is I want to show you two unbelievable glimpses of hope. I want, to, I want to point out that it's dismal, but if you're not careful, you'll leave here and you'll just run with that dismal nature and you'll miss the glimpses of hope that we see in the creation story. And I'm going to end with just two of them, but I'm going to tell you what. This is as good as it gets. And if this doesn't get you excited, what I'm about to talk to, I suggest that you leave here today, run straight to urgent care, and check your blood pressure. <laughs> Glimpses of hope in the creation story. Here's the first one. Write it in. The messianic prophecy of Genesis 3.15. The messianic prophecy... I've said these things very carefully, the words that I put together. The messianic prophecy of Genesis 3.15. Yes, it was dismal. Yes, it was difficult. Yes, sin was falling on planet Earth. Yes, it looked like the protagonist was winning. But if you read the creation story carefully, you'll see unbelievable glimpses of hope. Genesis 3.15. Open up your Bibles if you're not there. You want to mark this. You want to write this down. You want to study it later. God says to Satan, you will bruise the heel of the seed of the offspring of Adam and Eve. But he will crush your head. All the way back in the creation story. Do you see it? What is going on here? Check it out. In other words, Satan, there's going to come a time when you will do limited damage to the seed that is coming down through Adam and Eve. And you're going to think you're winning, but there's going to come another day. Yes, you might win some, and on Good Friday, it might look like you have bruised the heel of he who will come. But there is a Sunday coming, and on Easter Sunday morning, my son Jesus Christ is going to crush your head because you have no final authority. Come on, church. God says, Satan, you, you're going to bruise the hill. And I'm going to let you. Theology 101 again. I'm going to let you. You say, how did he let us? By giving us choice. God didn't want to have a bunch of puppets on a string. He, he gave us choice. And as long as we've had choice, we're going to make bad decisions, unfortunately. But by the power of God in us, we can learn to make good decisions. Can I get an amen? 
But we have choice. And I'm going to let you. And you're going to bruise the heel of us. But I just want to let you know. That there's going to come a day. When I'm going to send my son Jesus Christ. He will crush you Satan. He will destroy you. It's the messianic prophecy of Genesis 3. Here's the second one and I'm done. It's the messianic covering of Genesis 3.21. The messianic covering of Genesis 3.21. You know the creation story. We've kind of unpacked it today. God said don't eat from that tree. They ate from that tree. They were naked and they were ashamed. And did you notice in the Bible... Genesis 3, 21, the Bible says this, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and God clothed them. Question, where'd the skin come from? Some of y'all laughing, I don't know why. It's a really serious question. Where'd the skin come from? Listen to me closely. God does something divinely amazing right here. Divinely amazing. God divinely dresses Adam and Eve. And remember, God said, you're going to die. Let's talk about that tension. God said, if you eat it, you'll die. And I can't explain it to you except other than God decided not to kill them. Instead of killing them, God decided to clothe them. It's grace. It's, it's a covering God does something divinely amazing. He puts animal skin over them. Now, don't miss this. God had to kill an animal to get the skin to cover them. Don't miss this, church. There had to be the shedding of blood for them to be covered. Do you see the foreshadowing of what would happen on Good Friday when Satan would bruise that hill? There had to be the shedding of blood. You'll see this on the screen. Most biblical scholars speculate. And by the way, I tend to agree that this is the first shedding of blood that Adam and Eve ever witnessed. And it was a divine dressing that covered them from their sin and shame. Every time a person sins, their head to be the shedding of blood. Because the Bible made it clear there's life in the blood. All the way in the New Testament, fast forward, all the way to Hebrews. The Bible's going to come alive for you. You're going to start connecting dots like you've never connected them before. Hebrews 9:18 out loud ready Hebrews 9:18 go this is why even the first covenant was not put into effect without without what Hebrews going all the way back to the first covenant a few verses later verse 22 of Hebrews 9 one of the favorite things, by the way, I must say as I'm teaching, I love it. You guys are just taking notes feverishly. So many of you got heads down, you're writing. I love that. Read this one with me. 922, ready, go. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Again, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. From the very beginning, God is teaching humanity, training humanity like Pavlov's dog, if you will. Sin brings death. Sin brings what, church? 
Sin brings death. Say it with me. Sin brings, sin brings, from the top, ready, go. Sin brings death. And the only way, the only way to be forgiven of your sin is by the shedding of blood. And the Bible says that in the fullness of time, God sent forth Jesus. Up to that point, Satan had bruised the heel. But in the fullness of time, in other words, at just the right moment, God crushed his head by allowing the darkness of this world to shed the blood of Jesus. But it might have been Good Friday. But Sunday was coming. And Satan might have thought he won the battle. But Sunday was coming. And here's my question to you at all of our campuses. And I'm done. I'm done with this question. Have you allowed God to cover you? To cover your sin? To cover your shame? To cover your brokenness? Have you allowed God to cover you? Not with the blood of goats. Not with the blood of lambs without blemish like they did in the Old Testament. But with the blood from the Lamb of God. Jesus Christ. Christ who shed his blood for you have you ever said God I'm not going to do it on my own I can't do it on my own even if I wanted to I'm going to let you cover me with your blood and walk out of here today forgiven cleansed not shameful forgiven and free by the blood of Jesus. Listen to me. It is the only way. Some of you are trying self-help, positive thinking, and every other pop psychology, cultural phenomenon. There is only one way to be forgiven of your sins. Past present and future there is only one way and it is through the blood of Jesus it is through allowing him to cover you oh, I just had this thought you know when you're talking to somebody sometimes and, and you're worried about something and you ever, ever heard anybody say this or maybe you say hey I got you covered I got you covered all the way back then God was saying I got you covered. I got you covered. I got you covered. I got you covered. Have you let him cover you? All heads bowed. Eyes closed. Oh. Father, thank you. Thank you for covering me. October 23rd, 1988, thank you for covering me. Thank you for covering all the believers in the house. God, they've, they've learned to receive the covering. Father, I want to ask that you, you cover the rest of us here today. If you're here today and you, you want God to cover you, you're tired of trying to cover your own tracks. You're tired of trying to cover your own self. You're, trying to, you're tired of trying to earn your way. 
that's you today at any of our campuses, here's what I want you to do. I want you to say, Lord Jesus, I receive your covering. I receive your blood as the cleansing of my sin, as the forgiveness of my sins. I come to you not on my own merits, but I come to you humble and broken and sinful because I need a Savior. So cover me with your blood, I pray. Cover me this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, at all the campuses. I, I didn't ask for a show of hands, but here's what I know. Every time we do it, a lot of people just accepted Christ right there. Come on, come on. Welcome to the family of God. The Bible says you've been forgiven. The Bible says you've been covered by the only one who can cover you. The one who created you on purpose, not by accident. Can I show you a fascinating connection in Scripture? Can I show you what the Bible says for those of you who have been saved by the blood of Jesus? I want to show you what the New Testament says. Peter would say this. And we've intentionally thrown this up on the big screens, the whole slide for all of the campuses to see. Another light bulb is going to go off for you right here. Let's read it out loud together. Go, church. For Christ also suffered once for the righteous for thee to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body. Let's continue. Good job. To the imprisoned spirits. To those who were disobedient long ago. When God waited patiently in the days of... See how the New Testament and the Old Testament starts to fit together? Let's continue. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. Have you been baptized? At all of our campuses, have you been baptized? You say, well, pastor, it's a little cold out there today. We got heaters in all the baptistries at all the campuses. And if we didn't, by the way, can I let you know he died on a cross for you? It's okay. If we didn't have heaters, it'd be one of the most invigorating Here's how we're going to end our services today. We usually sing. We're not, we're not going to sing today. At all of our campuses, the, the band's going to come out and they're going to play a feature. I, I, I'm pretty sure we're doing that at every campus. If you want to get baptized, you can leave during that song or you can leave after that song and you can 
go to the areas that are clearly identified and you can get a shirt on if you don't have a dark shirt and you can meet me at the baptistry pool and you can meet all the campus pastors at their locations and I would invite the rest of you to gather around them and celebrate them and praise God and join all of heaven some of you came today knowing you were going to get baptized well done Others of you came today and you had no idea. But right now, in this moment, God is stirring your spirit. And you know that you need to publicly profess the fact that He has covered you. And take the plunge into the waters of baptism today, April 10th, 2016. Today's your day. Campuses. Love you. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy this next song. I'm praying for you guys as the angels in heaven rejoice with you at all of our campus locations. And now I'm going to invite our team out. And we're going to move toward baptism. They've prepared a song for you, so try not to jet. It's a great song. If at any point in time you know you want to get baptized and you want to kind of be first, you can go get your stuff. You can, you can go ahead and leave and, and get, get your shirt on and, and meet me out there. But we're really okay on time. You can, you can also just um, wait till the end of the song and I'll meet you out there. I still got to go change. I have been asked to announce this, and this is key. If you have children, go get your children first. Your children should see you get baptized. Amen. And if you have children, but you're not getting baptized, but you're going to gather around, go get your children first. Our children need to see the powerful witness and testimony and sacrament of baptism. And then meet me at the pool. And let's dunk some people in the name of Jesus Christ. If you're new and you're wondering, how, how long will you dunk me? Depends on what I know about your life. Just kidding. Take it away, guys. Take it away. Thanks for being a part of this week's podcast. If you have any prayer requests or praises, we'd love to hear from you. Just email our pastors and staff at prayers at newhopenc.org, and we would love to pray for you. If you'd like to support the ministries of New Hope, just stop by one of our campuses or visit us online at newhopechurch.org. We hope you'll join us next week for the podcast. And thanks for being a part of our church family.